If you've got your Bibles this morning, um, find 2 Kings 6. We're going to share from there throughout the morning. Uh, the last couple of months we've been um, doing a teaching series on, on uh, finding Jesus in the feast. And this morning I feel like a preaching <laughs> instead of a teaching. And so, um, yeah, let's just praise God that, um, you know, we can just find in his word things to encourage us and, and um, you know, not only be taught but be inspired as well. Um, not only to gain understanding but to gain um, inspiration. And so this morning I, I want to pray that um, the message that God has given me to share this morning will, will give you uh, inspiration. And, um, you know, because who likes to be inspired? Yeah, I love being inspired. It, it just helps me to um, do greater things when I'm inspired. You know, I, I, I like running and, and doing things like that, you know. And um, when I'm inspired, I actually perform better. And I think as Christians, it's the same. You know, when we're inspired, we actually live life better, I, I believe. And so, you know, let the Word of God inspire you this morning. And so this morning I want to talk about the invisible army. The invisible army. If you're taking notes, you can write that across the top. The invisible army. Because, um, you know, if we live life, there's going to be times when the road gets a bit hard, doesn't it? If we live life, there's going to be times as individuals where, you know, we come up against hurdles, we, we find ourselves struggling um, with things. And, you know, it, it's. And I'll, this morning I just want to allow us to say to ourselves that, you know what, it's okay. And not to feel that sense of condemnation or guilt, you know, that if times are hard, that for some reason we're out of the will of God or, you know, we must have done something wrong so God is punishing us and all this sort of wrong thinking because that's not how God works. We just got to remember that it's just life. It's life in this fallen world. It's life with its constant struggles, with its you know its ups and downs. And so you know, if you're going to live life to the full, you're going to face these ups and downs as you walk along, and and that's okay. It's perfectly all right. But what is not all right is to to sit and sulk, you know, to sort of let it get us down, to let it. Um, sort of stop us from pressing forward. Paul says that he presses forward. It's almost like, you know, Paul had some down times too. But he pressed forward. He kept going. He just took another step and just kept going day after day after day. And even as a church, you know, the church is a living, breathing organism. You know, the Bible talks about, it, Paul talks about the church like a body, like our body. And that it, the church is made up of many different parts. And you know, there's times when the church does it tough. We have our ups and we have our downs. Why? Because we are continuing on a journey that God has called us to. And at times we're going to see things happen that, you know, are tough. And we're going to um, you know, have this sense of, you know, it's a struggle. And, and so this morning I want to say that, you know what, that's okay. We just need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. 
We just need to keep going because that's what God has called us to. There are seasons in life and there are seasons in life within the church. There are times when, you know, we're just going full on and you just see wonderful things happening. But then there are times when you just think, man, what the heck is going on? And you sort of scratch yourself and, you know, you, you start asking questions. You know, God, where are you? God, why are you doing this to us? And all this sort of stuff. But that's wrong thinking. It's wrong thinking. It's not what we're meant to think as Christians. And so this morning I want to talk about this a little bit and hopefully inspire you to right thinking. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, get your right thinking on. So let's turn to 2 Kings 6. Let me find it here. Verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. Okay, so the the king of Aram was at war with Israel. It was an enemy of the nation of Israel. He summoned his officers and demanded them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. He thought there was a double agent in his ranks. Okay, leaking information. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And and the report came back. He is in Dotham. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and the chariots of fire all around Elisha. We see here Elisha, a prophet of God. He was ruining the plans of the king of Aram by prophetically indicating where the armies were going to try and attack Israel. And so we have Elisha and we have his servant. And we see that the forces of Aram are coming against him and they surround them. And so there's this great mighty army. And these two fellas. 
You ever been in a situation in your life where you just think, man, the odds seem so overwhelming? It just seems like everything stands against me. And I don't know if I can get it through. This time I think I'm a goner. It mightn't be that as that dramatic, but, you know, we can often find times when we feel that way. And so Elisha faced a dilemma. He was in a difficult situation. He was gone for all money. His servant panicked because all he could see were the horses and the chariots of Aram until his eyes were opened and saw the true nature of the situation. One of the things that uh, really struck me about this story is that Elisha found himself not under attack because he was out of the will of God. He was actually very much doing the call of God on his life. He was very much in the will of God. And sometimes when we face those difficult situations, we actually tend to think, Lord, why am I out of your will? Am I out of your will? And we start to try and think of all the things we've done. You know, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? Come on, you're there? You know what I'm talking about. But Elisha was very much doing what God had called him to do. And he found himself in strife. He found himself under attack. God was using Elisha so powerfully that the enemy of God was being thwarted at every turn. And so the first thing I want to say about all this is that tough times are actually an opportunity for growth. Can you say that with me? Tough times are an opportunity for growth. It's a time that when we walk through a valley, we look up at the mountains and think, can I ever reach it? But you know, if you're going to move from one mountain to another mountain, you actually got to walk through a valley. Did you ever realize that? Did you ever realize that if you're going to go from one mountain top to another mountain top, you actually have to go down in order to go back up? Did you realize that there can never be any mountains unless there are actually valleys? Just let that one sink in for a while. Any uh, geology and geography students here? If you have mountains, by nature, there are valleys right there with them. They coincide together. The presence of one determines the other is right there as well. And to move from one victory to the next means that often we go through a valley experience even as a church. If there are no valleys, there can be no mountains. If there's no trials, there can be no triumphs, can there? If there are no battles to fight, where do our victories come? Here's a saying worth remembering. If you don't get slapped in the face by a dead fish every now and then, you're probably floating along with them. Just have a think about that for a moment. 
You see, even dead fish can float down a river, can't they? But if we're going to go against the tide, if we're going to go against the current, you're going to get slapped in the face every now, by, every now and then by a dead fish. And so I encourage myself that when I, I do come across these, these times that I'm actually going against the flow, I'm actually doing something with my life that God has called me to. Now, I'm not that sadistic that I expect it every day, all right? I don't, I don't want it to happen every day. It's, it's, you know, we want those triumphs as well. But the difference is, what will we focus on? The armies of the enemy or by faith, the armies of the Lord that are with us? If you look back at that story of Elisha and his servant, the servant saw in the natural that he was outnumbered and he panicked. He says, oh no, what are we going to do? And in the natural, when we feel that odds are against us and we feel that, you know, defeat is, is imminent, I want us to be able to say to ourselves, if we remember from this morning, that actually God is on our side. God is on our side. You see, it takes faith. That's why in Ephesians 6 it talks about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And what does a shield of faith do? It extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith is what comes against those lies and untruths of the enemy. It's faith that causes us to rise and say, you know what, I'm not feeling too good about this. You know what, in the natural it looks hopeless. But in the, in the spirit, I know that my shield of faith will help me to rise. It is faith. You see, it's the weak in faith that will panic and run. But I say to you, people of God, members of Life Source, will we not embrace the trials as well as the triumphs? Will we not fight the good fight in order to take hold of the victory? You see, the heart of the battle, the sweet of the victory. And in the words of Paul in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is no one. Why would Paul say such a thing? just to sound good, just to put something nice in there? You actually have to see in what context he's talking about such things. So let's go to Romans 8. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
Paul was going through a trial in his life. He was being persecuted. He was suffering for his faith. But he took the, the thought line that, you know what? These present sufferings mean nothing in comparison with the glory that will be revealed in us. There's something beautiful and right and noble about taking a stand on this issue. And I want to tell you, Paul was, his sufferings weren't just, you know, being called, um, you know, a bunch of names and, you know, things like that. He was suffering physical punishment. He was suffering from, you know, probably sleep deprivation. He was going through many things in his life. You can read through them. He says, I know what it is to be in, with much and I know what it is to have lack. Paul had his ups and downs. But he saw this and he said, I don't consider my present sufferings worth even, you know, uh, comparing with the glory of God that will be revealed in us. For we know, verse 22, that the whole creation has been grown and as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Again, Paul is, is letting faith rise in him. He's letting faith come to the forefront. He's not looking at his circumstances in the natural, but he's looking at the invisible army that has his back. And then he goes on, and you can read about it um, as further on in verse 31, where he talks about being more than conquerors. He makes that statement in, in verse 31. You know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he makes all these statements because he understands not to keep focused on what his eyes tell him. He, almost, he also makes another statement that he says, People, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Our sight often deceives us. And we need to be aware of that. Paul had such confidence in God and he had such confidence in his intimate relationship with his heavenly Father. If you go back in chapter 8 to verse 12 and to, through to 17, you talk about the indwelling of the Spirit, the Spirit that allows him to cry, Abba, Father. Such an intimate phrase. Such an intimate phrase, people. Abba, Father. Just that intimacy between Paul and his father. He understood that. And that's why he could go on in in the rest of chapter 8 and talk about these things not in a trivial sense not just brushing them off you know but it was real to him his faith was real and his relationship to God was real and my friends this will be our focus for a time we will continue to worship our Lord we will see his glory abound 
Because we are sure of this one thing, which God, uh, John declares in 1 John 4, 4. The one who is greater in us is greater than the one who is in the world. And again, Jesus says in Matthew 16, Upon the confession of faith that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God, that the gates of hell will not prevail, my friends. They will not prevail. They will not prevail against the armies of the Lord. Doesn't matter what the odds look like, they will not prevail. And sometimes we've just got to get that mongrel attitude in us and get our tail out between our legs and saying, I'm standing firm. Everything in me wants to turn and run. Everything in me wants to give up and reside to the fact of, oh, well, it's just too hard. But sometimes you just got to get that mongrel in you and stand firm in faith and believe that it is God who is on your side and that the armies of the Lord will not be defeated. I want to ask you, are you a member of the army of the Lord? Are we, as a body of Christ, an army of the Lord? We certainly are. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're in the Lord's army. You are in the Lord's army. And I want to tell you, without any shadow of a doubt, that God is for us. Elisha's servant panicked. Because he was only looking at what he could see with his eyes. But I want to tell you, there is an invisible army at work right now amongst us. There is an invisible army at work in this city. That we have the forces of heaven behind us. Because God is not against us, he is for us people. An invisible army both in the spirit and in the natural, who are doing incredible and wonderful things. And you know what? If we don't open our eyes to it, we won't see it. And we'll have that sense of being overcome. I've asked uh, Jamie King to come and just share for a moment. Because... uh, I was just inspired. You know, Jamie and I had a catch-up a couple of weeks ago, just a a normal thing that we do every now and then. Is that on? Is that on? Thanks, Michael. All right, let's try this one. Kermie. Kermie. Hi, church. Because um, (laughs) Rod and I had a catch-up a couple of weeks ago and just to talk about uh, some of the things that are happening in the youth group. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited um, because it's like we've just experienced a whole new wave of God's grace pouring over it, over the leaders and the youth. Um, So I'll just quickly talk about the leaders, but I won't say anything too personal. Um, So... We're all being stretched, I'll say that. Uh, Who are your leaders? Who are your leaders? Well, some of them are sitting right there. There's Mickey D, 
There's Hannah, there's Sarah, there's Cesar, wherever he is. Uh, who else we got? We got Tino, we got Talati. And yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> me too. I'm a leader. <laughs> so God is in the process of, he just keeps unifying us in, in different ways and, and we're growing together and we're experiencing uh, trials together and we're overcoming them together. You know, we're going through all these sorts of things and, and wearing, we have to continuously step out in faith if we expect the kids to do so too. But amongst the youth group, we're seeing kids regularly prophesy. We're seeing them regularly give words of knowledge. Um, you know, we play like, we're starting to play team exercises where people speak over each other. You know, just learning to hear the voice of God because, you know, it's a two-way relationship with God, isn't it? If, if we talk to him, we can expect him, who's a lot smarter than us, to speak to us too. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah. So that's what we learn to do. So we're... We're teaching the kids how to hear God's voice. And some of them are piping up and saying things like, Oh, earlier on, God told me to pray for you for this. Have you got this wrong with you? And they're like, Yeah, and okay, I'll pray for you. And then we all pray for that person and things like that. And they're regular, they're starting to step out of their comfort zones. They're starting to step out of the, the boxes that they put themselves in. You know, a lot of them are too nervous to do something in front of anyone else. But we're beginning to see a lot of boldness, um, the operation of spiritual gifts, things that they've never done before, things that some things are even happening that are challenging us. Like something hit one of the, the youth the other night and it smashed one of the leaders as well and, and challenged that person. And this is actually a regular occurrence now. It's like it's just becoming a normal thing at youth group. It's becoming a normal thing to operate in spiritual gifts or, or to hear God's voice. It's not Praise just God. fun and games. Praise God. You know, God is really raising disciples. And it's, it's really a wonderful thing to be part of. So, thanks. Uh, well, you're telling me that the leaders are stepping out in faith as well? <laughs> yes, they are. Inspire us, mate, because you know why? See, most of us, uh, especially during the winter, we're snuggled up on a Friday night at home and we're unaware that this great ministry, this invisible army to most of us, is happening every Friday night. You know, and that these young people are sacrificing their time. You know, they've had a hard week at work. You know, they'd probably rather sit and watch the football or sit yes. down and, and um, you know, do other things, but they're sacrificing their time. Um, and they're an invisible army to most of us. We wouldn't even be aware that this is happening on a Friday night. And this is why I wanted to, to open our eyes, in a sense, to see what is happening in our very midst. So tell us about you know, even your Q&A times with the leaders. Okay. So we, sometimes we play this game called Spotlight, where we turn these lights off and we turn these lights on. We grab the piano stool and we just get a kid to sit here a leader asks them questions, and it's, it's their time. It's, it's a get-to-know-you. And, you know, and, and it gets pretty intimate. And, you know, there's, there's some fun questions, you know. Do you scrunch or fold? No, no not that. <laughs> some, not really that, depending on who's sitting there. And some of the questions, are, they get really theological and really personal and stuff like that. Lately, we've been putting some of the leaders up there 
Uh, I put Cesar up there earlier on in the term, and I didn't ask him any questions. I said, well, you guys, I said to the youth, you ask questions, ask him whatever you want, as long as it's appropriate. And the questions they ask, you would never, ever think of. And, but, it, but it really is wonderful. Like, what kind of book in the Bible would you write? Oh, you know, just all, all kinds of crazy things. And, and then, you know, and so Cesar, I mean, some of us believe Cesar has a, a teaching gift on his life. I, where are you? I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Oh, thank God. Now, we believe Cesar has a teaching gift on his life where he's going to be standing in front of people and teaching the truths of God. And so, you know, after one night when I made him preach or teach, you know, I said, okay, we're not going to go into small groups now. Ask Cesar questions. And I put him on the spot like that. And he did a phenomenal job and God just worked through him to answer all these questions. And, you know kind of stretching the leaders like that. And um, Sarah, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Sarah, often when she gives words to people, it's because God gave her a vision and then she shares it with that person and, and encourages them or tells them something that they really need to know. And then a couple of weeks ago, she just starts mad prophesying over these kids and it's like, ah, yes, that's what I want to see. You know? And then the kids started prophesying over the leaders. And, you know, because we always tell them, don't just expect us to hear from God and don't expect us to prophesy over you just because we're leaders. The Holy Spirit's in you too. You've got the same gift as us. We're not special. We're still people. So it's really about raising them above ourselves. And, you know, a lot of the leaders are doing things like that. And, um, yeah, Lord. it's really encouraging. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. An invisible army. An invisible army at work. And, um, you know, one that we should celebrate, that our eyes are open to see that this wonderful ministry is happening. Um, You look at something else like Barnabas' house. I mean, it's just got to get signed off, but we know God has given it to us. We are stepping out in faith in this. And, you know, just a wonderful opportunity to just meet with people that we wouldn't even have an opportunity to meet with, Um, to to have a chat with people that we would not otherwise have the opportunity to chat with. And you look at the, the sacrifices that you know, Felix and Anne and their family are making. Um, an invisible army, once again. We don't often hear much about it. Just quietly doing their, their thing, quietly doing their calling, you know, in the background, but doing a mighty work. A mighty work in this community. And... I'm just so excited about the opportunities that will come as we just undertake this endeavor with Barnabas House. You know, and it's not about building our empire. It's not about building the name of Life Source Church. This is about the kingdom of God because, my friends, the gates of hell will not prevail against the armies of the Lord. As long as we keep marching forward, as long as we keep formation, as long as we keep focused on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, we will overcome. We will make it from one mountain to the other and go from victory to victory to victory. Barnabas House, guys, you guys are awesome in what you are doing there. And you ought to be acknowledged in that, that our eyes are open to see that to some of us, an invisible army 
that is doing a wonderful thing. And look, there's many other things that we could talk about this morning. And you know what? Probably over the next month or two, we want to probably highlight some of these things. So that we're not just hearing about, you know, the hard stuff, but we're actually hearing about the good stuff that God is doing and that the people of his church are doing. You look at Brazil. I don't often talk about Brazil because it's sort of just really in its formative stages at this time. But I'm going to be heading back there in about five weeks' time. I'm going back to Brazil. Why? Well, I'm not going to Rio and dance parties or or whatever like that. I'm going because I want to make connection with pastors and people over there who are calling out, hey, come and help. It's a bit like a Macedonian call. Can you come and help? These guys are on fire. They want to reach out. They want to do missions. They are resourced in finance and in people. But they haven't got the structure. They haven't got the the formwork to operate successfully in missions. And really that's where I see that we can help. That we can take what they have and place it into the vehicle that we have as CRC missions. And you see a, a marriage made in heaven. An invisible army at work that we don't hear about. And I'd appreciate your prayers as I go in in about five weeks' time. Why? Because we want to make a difference. We want to keep advancing. We want to keep pushing the boundaries of what God is calling us to do. I don't know about you, but I'm not a person to sit down and just say, oh, well, let's float along with the rest of the dead fish. I know you don't want to do that either. I know that you want to make your life mean something. And if that's the attitude you're going to take, and a great attitude that is, then you are going to face some trials in your life. You are going to face times where things seem against you. But I want to encourage and inspire you this morning. Keep going. The only time you lose is when you give up. The only time you're done for is when you throw your hands up in the air and say, well, God can't help me in this one. But I want to say he can. He can. Frederick Douglass quoted this back in the 1800s. One plus God equals a majority. One plus God equals a majority. Elisha knew this as he stood and faced the armies of Aram. He would have learnt this from his, his teacher and master, Elijah, before him. When Elijah faced the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and Elijah and God were the majority and they defeated that company of prophets. Paul knew this. Because he knew who he was in Christ. He knew of his intimate relationship with Christ. He was not letting that go. Where he could say, 
These present sufferings will com- not compare with the glorious riches that are awaiting for me. It's why he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 18, and this is the last scripture that we'll have today. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Let that one sink in, my friends. You will speak what you believe. I believe, therefore I have spoken. What are the words coming out of your mouth? That's a whole other sermon. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, say therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Don't you just love how Paul says it? These light and momentary troubles. And again, he's not saying that frivolously or, you know. He was going through some serious stuff. He was being greatly persecuted. He'd been stoned to death, you know, close to death, shipwrecked. But he said these light and momentary troubles. I wonder if we could see ours, our trials, as light and momentary. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What a beautiful scripture. What an encouraging scripture. What are your eyes fixed on this morning? The seen or the unseen? The truth of God's word or the lies of the enemy? I thought it appropriate this morning that we finish off with a song. I love this song. It encourages me. And I don't think it's a song that we can sit down to. So I'm going to get Caitlin to get that song ready for us. Thanks, Caitlin. It's called Victory. And I hope that this song annoys you for the rest of the day. It's one of those catchy tunes that it'll just keep going round and round and round. Let's put it up high, guys. If you are, praise the Lord, victory, amen. Why? Because I'm in Christ and he's in me. Let that reside through your head today. Okay, let that tune go through. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, that we, Lord, can find ourselves in situations that aren't pleasant. Lord, We know that you are with us, that you never leave us nor abandon us. And Lord, that victory is ours because we are in Christ. Just as Paul says in Romans 8, that we are more than conquerors and we are victorious, Lord.
So, Father, I thank you that our eyes are open to this this morning. And, Lord, that the challenges in life, Lord, will not get us down, Lord, but will push us forward, Lord, into greater things, Lord. Because as you say, Lord, in your word, Father, that the kingdom of God is, is, is advancing and that, Lord, we take it by force, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.